Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Gliding through the sky, Spyro the dragon wisps here and there, carefree, for after defeating yet another universal threat, he's taking a well-earned vacation in Gotham City. It's a bit colder and a bit darker than it said in the pamphlets, but Spyro isn't letting that keep him down. A vacation is a vacation. It is then that his flight is disrupted by a bolt of energy flying by. Starfire wasn't aware of Spyro's travel plans and thinks, despite his size, that he's a monster here to wreck the city. Spyro charges up a blast of his own and we're about to find out which energy projector will come out on top. It's Teen Titan versus Insomniac's Dragon. It's Coriander versus Sparks' friend. It's Starfire versus Spyro the Dragon. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win? A show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only, the legendary, if you will, Race Tecanus. Today's battle is another genre crossover in which gaming meets comic books as Spyro, Nintendo's favorite dragon, takes on Starfire, a longtime member of the Teen Titans from DC Comics. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and I only found one reference online to a Spyro versus Starfire battle, but it was a free-for-all fight involving Spyro, Starfire, James Bond, and Krampus, but other than that absolutely, I guess, logical battle, there was nothing, and I mean nothing, about these two opponents taking on each other in a crazy battle. So yet again, Who Would Win brings you another premiere, never-before-discussed matchup in the geek universe. Ray, what do you make of this matchup? I first off want to know more about this fatal four-way that you uncovered. Does this mean that next week we need to do James Bond versus the Krampus, and then we do this tournament style, where the winner of today meets the winner of that, and we do a little four I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I love this matchup. This is a Patreon matchup. We put a, a character list in front of the patrons, and we said, vote on your favorites. And far and away, Spyro the Dragon did win that Patreon poll, but Starfire only finished like a couple, one or two votes behind Spyro. So I guess it wasn't far and away. I should choose my words more carefully. I don't care. The point I'm trying to make here is we were so intrigued by Starfire and Spyro the Dragon, we decided... Put them together. The more we read into this, the more research that was done, the more this battle made sense. And I'm excited to present it today. You know, Ray, th this battle is kind of cool because, you know, people have been noticing, and, and it's true, when it comes to video game characters, look, we, they often just go to you because that's just your thing. When we have comic book characters, or especially DC comic book characters, they come my way because that's my thing, and that's what we have in today's battle. So with that being said, I was looking at this battle, doing my research, and a really weird thought crossed my mind. It's actually a matchup I want to pitch to you and see what you think if this this proposed matchup would be good for the Who Would Win show. You Are you ready for this, Ray? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, here we go. What if we had a Who Would Win epic battle where we took the multiverse that is known as gaming. Every character with all of their powers, tech, magic, everything they can do that's been in a video game, put them all together versus all of the characters that have ever appeared in comic books. 
their powers, the multiverse, everything they can do, the magic, every reality warping. And we just have this insane mega battle of the gaming universe versus comic book universes. They collide. We do it on who would win. Ray, what do you think? This is really, really tough because characters are characters no matter where you go. And you've got very powerful characters. Comic books has presented us with a whole bunch of godlike characters, the Dr. Manhattans of the world who can just erase with a thought. You know, I think Q from Star Trek was in a comic book once. Therefore, you know, one of my favorite Star Trek Next Generation moments is when he says, you know, they killed the love of my life, so I killed them. Oh, so you mean you killed the people who did it? No, with a thought, I murdered that entire species. And when you're dealing with that on one side, that's pretty rough. On the other hand, gaming has some very powerful characters, but due to gaming's limitations, none on that level. So we'd have to include the writers of the games and then then we're in trouble. Then we're in a situation where who knows how the, uh, Dr. Manhattan is defeated by something somebody wrote. I'm just saying right now, comics has the edge unless we get a little meta with it. Interesting. You know, I picture this being no extra time in the research department for either one of us. I mean, this will be a super easy thing to do. Easy. I think the uh, who would win audience, the legion of audience would just love it. I'm actually being very uh, uh, sarcastic. I don't know how we'd wrap our minds around this, but it's just something I think we may want to consider because why not? We've been, you know at, we've been encouraged to do the, Avengers versus Justice League like nine billion times since we started this show. We can't even wrap our heads around how to do that matchup. Much much less all gaming versus all comics. Start a little lower is what I'm saying. Ray Stacanis, listen, you know me. It's either go big or go home. And sometimes that's really bit me, you know what, before. All right, let's see what our guest judge has to say about this. Because this person has the wisdom, the logic, the intelligence, the insight like no one else has other than maybe some other really cool judges we had on the show before. Making another appearance on The Who Win Show. It's comedian, amazing dad, improv master, and podcaster extraordinaire. Oh, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. It's Robert Clark Chan. Robert, welcome to Who Would Win. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. This is my first time. I'm, oh, this, everything is so fr fresh and exciting. I'm, well, I'm just a flutter with uh, um, the, the, uh, the newness of this all. Okay, look. Okay, look. This, yeah, this we all know what really happened here, Robert Clark Chan. Don't you even. Look. Okay, look, look. COVID's terrible. Sometimes things happen. And when things happen, you call the wolf a.k.a. Uh, Harvey Keitel, and when he doesn't show up, you call me, and I'm I'm the fill-in guy. I love it. I'm here for it. And uh, I'm excited for this matchup that I don't know much about, but I will have you know, you're Google searching with James Bond versus Krampus versus Spyro versus Starfire. I also did some Google searching, and um, I want to clarify, yes, I searched Spyro, Starfire, fan fiction, uh, what know. I found, it <coughs> exists. Spyro Starfire fan fiction exists. As near as I can tell, it is very chaste. Uh, I think they just go on adventures, so it's just like fan fiction. But I just want to say, like, I just want this to be a public service announcement to leave your safe search on. Google safe search will make your life so much easier. It'll protect you. And also, listen, I'm just going to say right now, I'm going to call it out. Ready? Dial-up movie club. Where's the audio drama of Spyro the Dragon and Starfire going on adventures? I think this should be the next thing we do. Let's make it happen. I think this would fit better in uh, Reclaim Detroit Ooh, as a little side yeah. episode. Look, you watch The Mandalorian. I guarantee it will not. Right? You watch Mandalorian, and all of a sudden there's a side kind of thing that goes on that you're not really sure what's going on because the characters haven't been introduced, introduced before. This is that thing that needs to happen. Just putting it out there. Robert Clark Chan, listen, I, I just have to ask you, you heard what we were talking about, about the entirety of gaming as a universe versus the entirety of comic books as a universe in a who would win battle. Should we do it? Are there risks to doing something like this? What are we not seeing? Or is it something we should go with 100%? All right, first off, I want to say that as a judge, uh, I have some power here. And so this is the only place that I can tell you that's stupid. And you're stupid for saying it. Uh, Thank you. Without wow. fear of retaliation. I would not say that in person. I would not say that to your face. I know how these things go. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that I am intrigued by the idea of universe versus universe. And anytime you want to bring me on uh, to debate the new universe versus anybody, 
I love the new universe. It's one of those things that uh, gets a, a bad rap, I feel like. I'm also the guy that likes uh, Kylo Ren and Ed from Cowboy Bebop. So, you know, it's 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 a choice that I've made. But I, I'm ready. I'm ready. Anytime you want to do justice, DP7, Nightmask, Starbrand, Kickers Incorporated. Come on, Ray. Kickers Incorporated. I don't know what any of that is. I'm here for it. <laughs> See, I knew you'd be the perfect person for this. All right, listen, let's dial it back a little bit, and we'll just do one character from gaming versus one character from comic books, and we'll just kind of see how this goes. And if oh. you do a good job, Robert Clark Chan, which I know you will, Ray and I will go back to the Hoodwin production team and kind of propose, actually, I will, and we'll propose something much bigger. But again, it all depends on you picking Star. I mean, doing a great job today in today's episode. With all that being said, Ray Sicanus, it's about that time. Please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing DC Comics, the hero who's always the center of good times. You might say she's having a blast. Starfire. And currently representing Activision Blizzard after a bunch of corporate nonsense, the dragon who doesn't need a lot of different attacks to win because fireworks. Spyro the dragon. Wow. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, do we really need to state the versions of the characters we're doing? I'm clearly doing the DC Comics version of Starfire, even though I love Starfire from... Teen Titans Go and the, the original Teen Titans animated series. Are, are you going with a different version of Spyro here? No, this is the video game version of Spyro the Dragon. This is a character that's gone on through different versions of the Spyro franchise. And there's a lot of interesting stuff because each one seems to continue the legacy and build off of the previous iterations to continue to tell the story. The only question I had was whether Starfire was coming from the cartoon show or the comics, and you've already answered that. We, we gotta be real with this one. Alright, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides. Has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you listen to podcasts. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Spyro. Spyro the Dragon is a purple dragon of video game fame. He was created by Craig Stitt and designed by Charles Zembalis for Insomniac Games, great company, and first appeared in the video game Spyro the Dragon in 1998. The main character of his own platforming game, Spyro was given the ability to glide through the air as a gimmick that other platformer characters of that era did not have. That is what set him apart. Despite not being his first voice actor, Tom Kenny, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants, has voiced the character more than anyone else. In short, what you need to know about Spyro, if you know nothing, is that he's a young, aggressive dragon who can glide, breathe fire, ram headlong into his enemies, all while trash-talking them. At least that's where he started. Fun fact, a dragon by another name would be not as cool, right? Spyro is one of the more iconic dragon names out there. But were you aware that Spyro almost went by another name? The name was Pete. Yes, during development, he was a green dragon named Pete. Once their lawyers or anyone familiar with pop culture in literally any way finally saw this, though, the obvious parallel to Disney's Pete's dragon was mentioned and they changed him to be purple, renamed him Spyro, and both choices were, in fact, 100% correct. That is Spyro the Dragon. 
Very cool. Now, here are the details for Starfire. Starfire first appeared in DC Comics Presents number 26 in October of 1980 and was created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Coriander, Starfire's given name, is a princess of the fictional planet Tamaran in the Vega system and was in line to rule the planet as queen. Commander, also known as Blackfire, her older sister, developed a bitter rivalry with her after suffering disease in infancy that robbed her of the ability to harness solar energy, which in turn also robbed her right to the throne. This rivalry continued and intensified when the siblings were sent for warrior training with the warlords of Okara. Things came to a head during a sparring exercise in which Commander attempted to kill her sister. As a result, Commander was expelled and she swore revenge. And of course, that revenge came in a plot where Commander Blackfire betrayed her planet by supplying detailed information about Tamarin's defenses to their enemies, the Citadel, who enslaved Starfire and the rest of her world. Starfire ultimately escaped by stealing a spacecraft to flee to the nearest planet, which was Earth. Once on Earth, she met Dick Rates in the first Robin and joined him in forming the Teen Titans. Since then, she became a charter member of the team and remained a member for years. And here's an interesting fact about Starfire. Did you know her race of people are descended from cats? It's true. Maybe. See, while most people know that Starfire is from Tamaran, most aren't aware of where exactly her alien race came from. People on her home planet are actually descended from cats. Much like people believe humans evolved from apes and race to canis-like creatures, Tamaranians, that's an actual word, supposedly evolved from cats. This is seen in the Teen Titans animated series storyline in which everyone on the team begins to act in their primitive states. While most team members look and act like apes, Starfire gets pointy ears and acts like a really cool cat. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Robert, do you have any questions before we get started? I don't have questions. I only have answers. I went looking. First off, I just wanted to double check because I know Ray can get a little uh, loose with the rules. So I wanted to see if, in fact, all of these uh, video games are part of the same continuity. It wasn't too clear to me, so I'll, I'll let it slide. We, we can use all of that. But I did find out that the first four uh, games, the soundtrack was done by Stuart Copeland, formerly, obviously, of The Police, one of the greatest percussionists of all time. Amazing. Uh, so that's a that's a gold star for Spiral already. Already got a leg up. Like it. Coriander? She's named after cilantro? For reals? Oh, man. Uh, the- you have Vegeta. You have Kakarot. I mean, we have many mm-hmm. amazing characters named after uh-huh. uh, vegetables mm. and other food items Ray won't eat. I mean, this is just a thing that's done in animation. It's kind of like code. If you're named after a vegetable, you're uh-huh. insanely powerful. All right. You know what? Gold star there. Uh, we're tied again. We're tied again. Thank I don't you. know who's going to win this thing. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I am so looking forward to this matchup. All right, Ray Sicanus, let's get this party started. Hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Spyro the Dragon. Let's talk a little bit about his basic physicality and his number one ability, the fire breath. One, this is a character who can break things. He just flies through things, runs through things, puts his head down, and breaks them. He does not really let obstacles stand in his way. He'll go through and destroy windmills. He's destroyed boats. He's destroyed planes. He's rolled through and knocked out sea serpents and elephants. Essentially, he'll just fly through things and then either torch them or knock them asunder or literally turn them into ashes after one second. He moves at literal lightning speed. This is a character who went up into the clouds and then raced a lightning bolt down to the ground and landed at roughly the same time. That means that in Earth's atmosphere, where the place will actually be fighting, keep that in mind, he can move faster than the eye can see. This is a character who can move at literal lightning speed. He's also pretty durable. He's been able to take hits from gigantic kaiju-sized golems, characters called Earth Shapers. Uh, he's taken multiple magic blasts from a character named Chaos. Uh, he survived breath attacks from Cinder, who is a similarly powered uh, dragon character from his own world. And anytime there's an explosion around him, uh, he easily is able to walk it off, shake it off. You know, he's been in buildings that have collapsed before and gotten out of that without being hurt. So this is a character who can take a lot of damage should it need be. But let's talk about his fire breath for just a moment, because... The fire breath is crazy. Even in his earliest incarnations, he hits something with his fire breath and it immediately turns to ash. 
I don't know the actual temperature needed to immediately turn like large barrels and other obstacles into just a little tiny pile of ashes instantaneously. But I do know that according to the game's lore, Spyro's uh, heat of his flames is 7,800 degrees Fahrenheit. That's real hot. That's real powerful. That's something that could hurt characters like Starfire if it hurt it. Essentially, if you could turn something to ashes immediately, this is a character you could do some damage to. And he's done it to enemies, trees, huge vases. Anything he hits, basically, uh, just go ahead and gets turned into that. One way he used his fire was he used his fire on uh, something called sun seeds, which essentially looked like uh, little like suns with two big hands and a pair of sunglasses. He used it on three different sun seeds to chase them into a big pot, thus creating a brand new sun. This is a character who was powerful enough to merge these sun seeds into building a new sun for a new solar system. If you can create a sun, that means your fire breath has got something going on. He could also superpower his fire as well. That's the base level. It's called super flame. He's used it to shoot down UFOs and he's been using it to shoot fire while underwater. He can literally shoot fire underwater. Unbelievable. And he uh, can supercharge as well his movement. He moves so fast that he literally changes color as far as the eyes watching him goes. He can smash through reinforced gates and doors and bowl through cars, blowing them up. He's also invulnerable during his supercharges, which means as strong as Starfire is, and she is strong, she can't hurt him while he has these powered up charges going on. Uh, he can do a lot of damage. And the last thing to talk about, he has also shockingly later on been trained in martial arts. It's called Dragon Kata. He was taught by an elder dragon to help escape the Shadow Realm, which gave him a series of different martial arts attacks using his horn, using his tail, and also using chi attacks, which are magic-based attacks. A character like Starfire's typical uh, uh, Achilles heel is magic-based attacks. Well, he has an array of chi attacks with his wings, with his punches, and with his roar that all attack magically. That's going to help him here as well, and that's my point number one. Here's the deal. Spyro's pretty cool. Um, wasn't super familiar with him before this episode. Did some research, and I like the character even more. Look, this is what happens with every video game character that comes on. I don't know a lot about them. I researched them, and I kind of kicked myself for not playing more video games. I promise I will do so sure will. more so in the future. Never said that before, by the way. Okay, let me push back on a couple of things. Look, it's not that Spyro's not powerful, but I think you're underestimating just how powerful and durable Starfire is. In terms of martial arts training, that's cool that you got some martial arts training. You're talking about the ultimate warrior. Literally, I mean, maybe Wonder Woman has more training because she's lived for thousands of years. But other than that, Starfire's had so much training, so many very types of training, which I'll get into as well. You're talking about someone who's got like a black belt and some training versus someone who trained to be a warrior killer for decades since she was a child. That is crazy. On top of that, magic's not going to be the Achilles heel to Starfire. Doesn't work against her the same way it would work against, say, a Superman. I'll get into more of that as well later. And then on top of that, these charge-ups where Spiral does this really cool thing where it gets more powerful, changes colors. I believe they only last about 10 seconds or so. So it's really cool that you can be that fast, that powerful, but it's for 10 seconds. This fight's going to go a lot longer than 10 seconds. Now, that gets to my point number one for Starfire. And for my point number one, let's talk about her powers and abilities. Look, her powers are all derived from the fact that she's got this alien physiology from the pal uh, planet Tamarind. This is because um, her body, body from, you know, like all the other people from that planet, they absorb radiation, convert it to energy, and then they can use that energy for a whole bunch of different things. For example, super strength. She can, she's so strong, she can actually hit Superman hard enough to stagger him. That's insane. She's so strong that she can shake an entire city by punching the ground once. She's got crazy durability. She can take bullets, laser fire from massive starships, getting punched repeatedly by Wonder Woman, who took a flying start from miles away to her and then just rammed into her, and it didn't stop her in the least. She just continued fighting. Also, to that point, she can take magical attacks and is super durable to supernatural energy. And again, I'll go into more of that in my later points. She can also survive unaided in space or underwater for super long periods of time because she's just that durable. By the way, that's cute. 
Spyro can glide. Well, Starfire can fly. She can fly faster than the speed of light. As fast as lightning is, because it's pretty freaking fast, speed of light's way faster. And this is the key. Not only is Starfire an expert flyer, but she's an expert at using flying combatively. She knows how to hit and run, how to get out of immediate danger, and when to reposition in order to get a better angle of attack. Listen, this is a fighting genius that Spyro's uh, dealing with who's got better flying ability than he does. She's got her star bolts. This is where she shoots these super destructive beams of energy from her hands and eyes. And these blasts are powerful enough to destroy, let's see, Brainiac's ship. They can hurt Superman. And she can fire them from very far distances. She's super accurate with these beams as well because she's also got super vision. This is crazy. I'm not saying she's got Superman a vision where you can telescopic vision, but she can see much further than a regular human being. It's almost like how an eagle can see things from miles away. And that's why she's also so accurate with her beams. This means she's also got ranged attacks. Spyro's got to get up close and personal. Starfire does not. On top of that, my favorite one is the fact that she's got the power of energy absorption. Evidently, she can absorb the radiation energy types from other life forms. Literally just take this energy or power from them. She once uses power. She to complete this is crazy, completely rob a group of Kryptonians of the stored solar radiation uh, that were inside of it. And she quickly took all of that, that power from them and then put that into herself. Now she didn't develop more Kryptonian powers. The power she already had got more enhanced. And you know what's cool? about Starfire's energy absorption power. It's the fact that she can also absorb, wait for it, magical and supernatural energy. I did my research. In Red Hood and the Outlaws, number six, Starfire absorbs energy from a mystical gemstone. I think it was called the Untitled Heart. And she uses it to defeat the powerful supernatural energy called the Untitled, oddly enough. And Starfire didn't just absorb the gemstone's magical energy. She also used that magical energy to enhance, yet again, her own power. This is crazy. In terms of pure power... Not only is Starfire more powerful in almost every way, she can also absorb Spyro's energy to take away his powers while enhancing her own. All of that is my point number one. Very, you know, very cool. I mean, like, I like Starfire as a character. You brought up the speed, which is something I want to talk about because uh, earlier on, she did have this light speed uh, going through space. And although, to be fair, her biggest speed feats back then were in a straight line flying through space where there was no resistance, and she was able to fly very fast. Since then, she has been retconned a little bit. She's one of the rare characters in the more modern Teen Titans iterations that has been pulled back in power to a point, especially where it comes to speed. When it comes to actual what we would call combat speed, she is not exactly fighting at light speed. She's not like a speedster like the Flash under any circumstances. That's just not who the character is right now. And I know James loves to pick and choose what time periods his characters get their powers from, which is why he'll never admit Aquaman was tied up in ropes and thrown in the ocean uh, to drown in his first ever appearance. I will bring it up every time I can because it is hilarious. Uh, The one big thing here, her durability. He did bring up something about her durability. It's good. It's, It's superhero level normal but it is not limitless. She can take some beating, but it's not like she's Superman and can shrug off physical damage for an extended period of time. If you hit her enough, she will go down. Mm. You know what I like about this match so far, Ray, is that we're both bringing some really cool research to the table. These are my favorite type of matches that I like to win. I'll win this one, of course. All right, Robert Clark Chan, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this matchup? I also do my research, which is how I found out that a lightning bolt moves at 270,000 miles an hour, not, in fact, the speed of light. Uh, I did find out that uh, 7,800 degrees is pretty hot. Uh, Crematoriums regularly go up to 1,800 degrees, so that's much, much hotter, and I don't think anybody would want to be caught in that blast. I'm kind of curious about this whole energy vampire thing Uh, that feels like a power that uh uh has levels that go up and down based on who's writing so uh and i know obviously uh fire isn't uh radiation uh it's a it's a conductive heat so you could still get blasted by fire probably i don't know in a comic book it probably blows off her but uh basically I, i i feel like Starfire is has the leg up right now because it sounds like sh- she has more training uh, as a fighter and fighting with her powers. And Spyro uh, Dragon Kata sounds kind of neat, but horn tail and chi attacks—I don't really see that in a in an octagon taken out. 
Starfire. So, you know, it's still pretty close, though. Interesting way of seeing this. I would expect nothing less from the genius of Robert Clark Chan. All right, let's move on. Ray, hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Spyro the Dragon. You know, the fire is really excellent. The smashing through things is really excellent. I think that's a nice little hors d'oeuvre for what this battle's going to be. But one cool thing I learned about Spyro the Dragon is that he went on to master like 10 different elemental forms. Uh, and at first he needed special abilities to be in certain zones to do it. And what's cool about Spyro is each game iterated on the previous one. So powers he gained in limited supply in one game become his de facto powers in the next one. So let's talk about what some of those other powers are because in the lore of Spyro the Dragon, once every 10 generations, a purple dragon is born. Now most dragons can only control fire, but a purple dragon is special in that they can control all of the different elements out there. That's what makes Spyro so unique and that was added in later. So one thing he has here, and let's talk about some comparisons to other characters. He has electric breath. So let's compare him to Electro from Spider-Man. He can use this electric breath to shock and overload mechanical equipment and robots. In fact, his electric power has been used to power energy weapons of great power. So in other words, he can breathe his electrical attack into like an electric cannon, and then that can shoot off, uh, blowing out many things. He's got wind breath. So he's basically Storm from the X-Men as well. He can create tornadoes. He can combine uh, lightning powers with the electric breath, right? Uh, with the with the wind breath and create lightning tornadoes and trap people inside of them. That's rough, you know. Storm herself once said, "What happens when a toad gets hit by lightning?" The same as everyone else. I think she was talking directly about Starfire in this battle. He also has ice breath, so he's basically Omega level mutant. James says. Iceman. He can freeze enemies in blocks of ice. He can freeze Sub-Zero style and then shatter enemies after freezing them. He can also freeze enemies that exist at a very high temperature. It doesn't matter if you're like made of fire, he can still freeze you and he can now freeze like entire bodies of water like Elsa in Frozen. Additional to all this, he's got water breath, which he can use to push enemies back at great velocity and force if that's what he he needs to do if they're coming in a little bit too strong on him. He's also got a bubble ability that he was used to catch magical dragonflies, which I thought upon reading it at first was, oh, he puts them in a bubble and they float away to the base. No, he hits them with a bubble-like ability and they vanish. He essentially teleports them away. Kind of important, could factor in right here. He can also shoot elemental bombs which he breathes out of fire that creates an explosive after the fact. It's not like he just hits you right away, but this is a bomb that could explode later with a large area of effect. And on top of all of this, one aspect of his uh, magical attacks, of his uh, dragon kata attacks, because he has been trained a heck of a lot, and this is a character who has spent a long time honing his specific powers. From game to game, again, he learns a power in like Spyro 2, and then he could barely use it. And then by Spyro 3, he's a master of that power. And I don't think that can be discounted when you talk about training. That implies a heck of a lot of training on his own abilities. Well, he's got what's called the wing shield, which he can put his wings in front of him and use it to deflect any attacks that do not directly pierce with a sharpened edge. To my knowledge, nothing that Starfire does has sharpened edges to it. It's all blunt or it's all energy. So all of that could be deflected by a wing shield defense. He's got the defense. He has an array of attacks, whereas Starfire is fighting pretty one-dimensionally with physical strength and energy attacks, and that's about it. Give this edge to Spyro the Dragon, and that's my point number two. All right, uh, time to push back, uh, James Gatsby style. Listen, I love the creative process that Ray Sicanis brings to these matches. Uh, you know, Ray, you often accuse me of aggrandizing certain facts or maybe possibly pushing them to a degree where they shouldn't be pushed. Yeah, I am you. going I would to never accuse do that. you 
I would accuse. I'm now about to accuse you of all these things, but I'm going to do it myself. All right. First of all, in terms of this electric breath, the tornadoes and everything, what you're describing is, I believe, the environment of Tamaran, which is this crazy planet. Remember, this is a planet of super powered, almost Kryptonian level warriors who train to be crazy fighters since a young age. Their environment is also designed to tear them apart. All the stuff you just described is what we call a regular day on Tamaran. On top of that, Ice breath, ice powers, all that kind of good stuff. You got to remember Starfire easily took out Killer Frost, who is the DC equivalent to uh, what Ray considers to be an Omega-level mutant, Iceman from Marvel Comics. So ice powers, well, it doesn't really a factor. Listen, this is someone who survives a vacuum of space easily and taken on Killer Frost, taken on her ice and just shrugged it off. It's not a problem. And again, she can absorb electricity. That is something she's done a number of times. When you put all these really cool powers, because they are cool, the other thing you got to realize about Spyro is that he uses most of these powers really up close. He's not a long-range fighter, typically. He has to get close to that person or the opponent and start blasting them. Even if he did that with Starfire, she's got the defenses, the durability, the ability to absorb all of that, but she also fights from a way further away distance. She has the range. She has the reach, which gives you a huge advantage in this fight. All right, now let me get to my point number two. And for my point number two, let's just kind of circle back a little bit and let's talk about Starfire's fighting ability. Because Starfire, without a doubt, is a top-tier warrior in DC Comics and has what I would call insane combat skills. So there's, you know, this other aspect of Starfire. It actually really is overlooked a whole lot. It's something that's going to play a huge role in this battle between her and Spyro. See, I get it. Spyro's no joke. He is, you know, he's got some training, and the training's not bad. He's got some experience as a fighter, too. He's kind of a badass. I'm not going to, you know, not admit that. That's so true. But it is all that together is nothing compared to what Starfire's had to do. Here's the thing. From a young age, Starfire was trained by the warlords of Okara. I mentioned that already in the intro. Who are they, you may ask? Why? They are a group of warlords who have dedicated thousands upon thousands of years to ultimate combat, military, and strategic training. They're known. They are known for training the best and the brightest children in the vegan star system, which is where Starfire's from, in the art of combat. This is crazy. Uh, this is a quote from DC Wiki. Their beliefs held that the art of war and the humanities should forever be entwined with one another. Or in other words, that war is just a part of life. So embrace when it embrace war when it comes your way. This isn't just part of her culture. This is part of her being, being able to fight in these crazy who would win battles. When Starfire was captured and traded as a slave, she spent, as a kid, she spent years having no choice but to fight her way out of the clutches of all types of predators as well as fighting for her own survival day in and day out, whether that's just day in the life, what she's doing on the, you know, while she's a slave or fighting these gladiatorial combat challenges since she was a kid. And then she got even more training. Now, as a result of all this training with the warlords of Okara, I just like saying this, and the living hell she went through, Starfire became, for lack of another term, an ultimate fighter, just like what Robert Clark Chan said. She loves to fight because it gives her the opportunity to prove herself. This is something in her culture, proving themselves in battle is how they value themselves. When training at full strength and speed with Donna Troy, that's Wonder Woman's super powerful Amazonian sister, Starfire was consistently able to beat her. And that's Donna Troy, aka the first Wonder Girl, one of the most powerful and best trained Amazons to ever come from Themyscira. When Starfire herself went to train on Themyscira, this is really cool, she took on a whole bunch of Amazonians at the same time and beat them easily. And then she won a fighting tournament against a whole bunch of other Amazons. By the way, she didn't even just win the tournament using her powers. Oh, no, no, no. She fought with her skill as a warrior. And she was smiling the whole time she did it. Why? Because she loves fighting. Look, Spyro definitely has combat training as well. But it really pales in comparison to someone like Starfire. She has no problem standing up, taking on training shots with Wonder Woman. DC Comics' real ultimate badass. In a fight with someone like Spyro, Starfire will only become welcome the challenge. But look, absolutely, she's not going to pull any punches right away. She won't care that Spyro's good-natured whatever she's like oh way to prove myself in battle i'm taking everything out on this dragon i feel bad for it but man i'm going in full blast look in previous matchups here's the thing you gotta think of fight strategy and fight psychology what comes into effect here is which opponent is going to want this win more Spyro has got a lot of great wins, but he's lost a little bit too. And he's kind of that cool character, the underdog who kind of comes out and still pulls out the win. We love that about them. Starfire is someone's like, really? A fight? Hell yes. Let's go. And she's going all in. In terms of who's going to want it more, never mind who's more powerful because that's Starfire, but in terms of who's going to want this win more and pull out all the stops and go there psychologically to get the win, it is clearly going to be Starfire. That's my point number two. 
Ah, James, and that's where the trap is laid. Now look, first off, I don't care how many half-betazoids from Star Trek's The Next Generation she hangs out and trains with, okay? One thing that I will tell you is that the, what is it, the tamarind? Is that what they're called? The tamarindo? Uh, that sounds like a candy I got at Halloween. The, the, that planet and that alien race, what I learned from my research is they're basically reverse Vulcans. Vulcans are, uh, you know, no emotion, all logic. Her race, all emotion, no logic. She needs emotional stability in order to perform her abilities. She uses her emotions in order to power herself. So if she is not in a heightened emotional state, she is not able to achieve these great feats that James is referring to. That's why when she's in a battle against evil, nasty, terrible people, she can pull it out and she can like wreak havoc on them. But when she's in fights against people that don't move her emotionally, she doesn't, she can't basically get up for the fight and power herself as hard as she would need to. Now, Spyro is cute. He's sassy. There's no way that him flying around, hitting her with a silly one-liner here and there and zipping around trying to dodge her is going to get her emotionally uh, ready to do this fight. And the last thing to mention, James wants to say so badly that the, this race of people is basically Kryptonians. They are not even close. When she fights Kryptonians like Supergirl, she gets wrecked. So don't even let James try to pull this one on you. They are not the same. If only she had wins against Kryptonians. Oh, that's right. I already said she did. All right. Interesting points where you're going, Race to Canis. And we got to really get into this a whole lot more. But before we do, we're actually at the turning point. We're after hearing two points from both Ray and myself. Robert will tell us who's ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before do we get to what Robert has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, we're going with a patron who's been with us for a little while now. His name, just one name, Jacob. Ooh, Jacob, the mystery person known as Jacob. Okay, Jacob sounds intriguing, so let's have him go against Morty, the sidekick part of the Rick and Morty duo. Now, that's wild. See, Morty, you know, you might not think Morty is a great fighter, but, you know, there is this whole, like, Council of Ricks. There's also a Council of Mortys, and actually the leader of, I believe, the planet and dimension of Ricks is a an underhanded Morty. So you cannot throw Morty under the bus at all, and I guarantee you right now, Jacob will not do so. They're going to face off. They're going to stand at each other. They're both going to pull out laser pistols, right? And they're going to be jumping and flipping and doing aerial acrobatics and going after each other, and each one is going to tag the other with a shot and they're both going to like hit back to back behind a wall like a John Woo movie. They're going to feel over their injured areas. They're going to reload their laser pistols and they're going to be ready to go. And at this point, Morty's like, I've never seen anything like you before. What's your name? And it's going to be silence. He's like, tell me your name. And he's just going to say, it's Acob. And you want to know why? Because the J is silent. And it turns out he used ventriloquism, throwing your voice, and ninja skills. And he is, in fact, standing in front of Morty, blows him away right there with stealth. Underrated mechanic in a who would win battle. Jacob, a.k.a. Acob, takes this battle. Congratulations, Acob, a.k.a. Jacob, in a fine win in today's Patron of the Week segment. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. Robert, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Well, I'm very intrigued because I hear James play the Megatron Gambit, going with the uh, long-range fighter. Respect that. Uh... Captured and trained as a slave. I hear the Conan Gambit being run, and I'm a big fan of the Conan story, so let's go. An ultimate fighting culture, which I assume means that their president is Dana White. Absolutely. Uh, A culture Gambit, though. That's interesting. Uh, I like it more than the go-there defense, but oh, no. James brought in the go-there defense. I don't know about that. On the reverse... uh, Ray brought in the cute and sassy defense. Never heard that before. Don't know how I feel about it. 
Gonna have to wait until the decision to figure that out. Uh, overall, though, I felt like I got a lot of retread from James uh, this round. A lot of, uh, uh, yeah, we, we know she's a fighter. Uh, not a whole lot of specifics about it. And while uh, many of Spyro's powers are blunted by uh, Starfire's energy absorption, the electric breath, wind breath, ice breath, bubble breath, the wing shield. I like to see that variety there. I like to see that there's a lot of different attacks that Spyro can go to, and uh, I I think there's a good chance there that uh, Spyro would overwhelm someone who's a little more one note like Starfire. So we'll see. Uh, I felt like the first round went to Starfire and the next round went to Spyro. So yeah, we're kind of, kind of waiting on this final round. Interesting. Okay. All right. I think I got what you're looking for, but we'll see. We'll see exactly how you think. All right, Ray, see if you can get the win this time. It all comes down to this. Hit us with your point. Number three, point number three for Spyro, the dragon. We got a few different aspects to talk about. One is that in the game Spyro Shadow Legacy, Spyro learned magic. He actually learned magical spells on top of his repertoire that he's already got. I've already told you he has a variety of ways and to come at Starfire where she's very one note. He's got even more. He's got the magic of teleportation, kind of a big deal. He has a magical power called move, which is essentially telekinesis where he can move objects around him, maybe hit her with something as a distraction uh, that she won't be noticing. He's got a magic move called shock, which calls magical lightning. So he's basically Spyro is Thor from uh, Marvel comics. If you really want to go ahead and call the same, he also has something called banish and banish reminds me of a final fantasy, you know, seven final fantasy, uh, 12 kind of move where a, a giant uh, thing opens up in the sky and a giant blast from above does an area of effect all over the battlefield at the people that he's attacking. And it brings down some of like the biggest balls. Bosses. It, sometimes that's his final move in order to bring down some of the big bosses in that game. So could it take out Starfire? I think so. He also uses the energy of shadows. There's a point in the sky when they took the series to Skylanders, which is great. They talk about the legacy of Malifor. Malifor was the big purple dragon that came 10 generations before Spyro learned all the stuff, overpowered all of his teachers and became a like cosmic level threat. Basically he's the big bad that Spyro has to end up beating. Spoiler alert, by the end of the series, Spyro overpowers Malifor when they fight. Just straight out bodies this big bad character. Fantastic. But along the way, Spyro harnesses the powers of dark shadows and dark shadow energy to transform himself into a character named Dark Spyro. And what have we learned about Spyro the Dragon? He does it at first accidentally, and then later on in the series, he can do it whenever he wants to. Whenever he gets himself into a place where uh, he feels like he needs to kind of call upon an extra form in order to get him over the hump, like against a character like Starfire, and he can t- transform himself into Dark Spyro. Now, as Dark Spyro, he fought a character named Gaul. Gaul was the end game enemy of the whole thing. And he, of course, barely beats him as regular Spyro. He accidentally transforms by getting the shadow energy into Dark Spyro and then one shots Gaul after Gaul stands up and literally turns him into cosmic dust and blows him away with an attack that absolutely would take out Starfire if he needed to. Uh, He also has had spells since then cast on him to prevent his being overtaken by the darkness, which was a plot point for a while. So he can never like he could be dark Spyro as much as he wants to and doesn't suffer any negative consequences from it. He can come in and out of this form basically at will and has spent years in the storylines honing his mastery of the dark Spyro form. Now he can shoot thunder. He can shoot lightning. His character is different. Instead of being carefree and fun, he's unpredictable and wild and a little bit of a a disturber. He can generate fire shields all around him. And he can also shoot something called the Daybringer Flame, which is a fire attack. We already know how powerful it is, but 
but it's so big and so bright, it's been said that it will light up a darkened sky. It will literally turn it into daytime around him if he needs to. And this is the entire point. He's got too many different types of attacks from the different elements, from the different magical abilities, and he can change his form if he needs to, to literally disintegrate Starfire on a cosmic level. It's too much for her to handle, and that's my point number three. All right, this is what I was waiting for because I, when I did my research, I, I saw this, the, you know, Dark Spiral, and I fell in love with this aspect of the character. This is awesome. Let's just go there. Okay, before we get there, here's the thing. Quick note about Starfire. She doesn't need to be, like, facing against something the most sinister, whatever it is, evil, for her to get up to fighting. She just enjoys fighting. It's one of these weird things about her well, it's actually a cool thing about her culture. I'll just say that. A good fight is the the reward in itself. But with that being said, in terms of, you know, the powers of teleportation, telekinesis, energy of shadows, all that kind of good stuff, you know, uh, she faces off and has actually beaten someone just like that who has all those powers. That's her teammate, Raven. She actually has wins against Raven, who can do all of that and a whole lot more. So as cool as that is, she's been there, done that. Now... In terms of Dark Spiral, here's the cool thing. Dark Spiral represents the perfect opponent for Starfire. Because not only is he much more powerful, not only can he do a lot more things, but he's also much more aggressive. There's a sinister aspect to him. You know, all of a sudden you're talking about, hey, does she need to be emotionally kind of put in place and be fighting someone who's even... No, but does it help? Sure. Go Dark Spiral in front of uh, Starfire, and she's going to be like, oh my god, it's like the Super Bowl. It's like, I've been waiting for this forever. It's like Goku, who just lives for the ultimate battle, and instead of being scared to go up against Frieza or Beerus, he's actually really excited because this is going to be an awesome fight. That's what you have just given Starfire with Dark Spiral. All right, now let me get to my point number three, and things are going to get really clear. My point number three, let's talk about some big wins for Starfire. Spyro's cool weaknesses and an impressive power-up that Starfire has, but she does actually have one. Now, Starfire's had some insanely tough opponents. You know, you're in the DC universe, that's going to happen. She typically fights with a team, you know, the Teen Titans, but she is a heavy hitter on almost every team she's on. And as a result, has either helped to defeat or has defeated on her own some crazy powerful opponents. Now, she's beaten Deathstroke. That's cool. That's not really going to make it against Dark Spyro. She has beaten Lobo which is really, really cool. Lobo, who can regenerate, has Superman-level strength, uh, you know, crazy smart. She's actually dealt with speedsters like Jesse Quick, where Jesse Quick actually attacked her, and she just, like, flung her off and kind of dealt with her super speed because she uses the strategy to do so. Killer Frost, I already mentioned that, the DC equivalent to Iceman, uh, Ray's favorite and Mega-level mutant. She's beaten Bizarro, not the smartest person around, but definitely a heavyweight in terms of power. Brainiac. She has a win over Brainiac. This is really cool. She's actually destroyed Brainiac's ship as well. Really cool. She has beaten numerous Kryptonians. Now listen, the Starfire is definitely more powerful than many other people, the average person from Tamaran, who's also actually kind of powerful on their own, but she has beaten numerous Kryptonians at the same time. She took a on a group of Kryptonians, trained on their powers, overpowered them. Very cool. That's the thing. She took on Sabak, which is that main villain from the Shazam movie we saw, but this was a powered up and Amped up, even more demonic version of Sabak from the comic books. She took him on as well. Uh, she's taken on Raven and beaten Raven. I mentioned that before. She's beaten Starro. That's that cosmic entity who, like, you know, has a little mini Starro's, can take over people's minds. She beat her sister Blackfire. And she took on, quite heavily, the biggest heavy hitter of all, Trigon. Now, Trigon, the absolute ruler of that hellish dimension called Azeroth. He can warp reality, manipulate dimensions, teleport, warp time, master of energy, dark magic. He's got all of that. See, the Teen Titans were taken taken on Trigon, and they all went down, including Raven, except for Starfire. And Rob Nightwing is like, we got to put a plan together. Someone needs to kind of go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Trigon. That was Starfire who did it. Now, they finally beat him, but she was the one who kept him occupied and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Trigon for quite some time. So, this is kind of crazy. She's got a lot of fighting experience. Now, but let's talk about Spyro's weakness. Here's the deal. Again, he's a close-range fighter. Even in Dark uh, dark Spiral, he's got to get up close to his partner, like kind of ram into him, whatever. She can hit from uh, very far off. He's got um, really limited flying unless he kind of powers up to Dark Spiral. This is kind of where he's going to have to go right away is Dark Spiral. Uh, his combat training, I already mentioned that. It's nowhere near what she's got. He's nowhere near as durable as Starfire. She really is insanely durable. And he actually has problems with opponents who are durable. Durability is kind of like something that where he can get hit by a durable person and his powers won't work against them. This 
is the type of opponent that kind of gets the better of him physically. And, you know, his power-ups, I mentioned that before, they're limited. Now, Dark Spiral can last a little bit longer, but all the other power-ups we mentioned, 10 seconds, or they're dependent on the immediate area. Whatever it is, they're highly, highly limited. Now, speaking of power-ups, let's talk about Starfire, because she has a power-up, and it's so crazy, because this will speak to the heart of Robert Clark Chan. Her power-up is called, wait for it, the Berserker Rage. I did not make this up. This ties in in a much bigger way. Check out our Patreon for this episode. You'll understand what I'm saying. So when Starfire is fully provoked and facing off an insanely powerful opponent, Starfire can fly into what she calls her Berserker Rage. It's kind of like going Super Saiyan, maybe three, going whatever it is. And keep in mind, when she's this way, it takes Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman's sister, uh, Donna Troy, and Monel, who's also a Superman-level person, just to kind of hold her back, not to stop her, but just to prevent her from actually killing someone because she likes to do that as well. Once she's in a Berserker Rage kind of state, some interesting things happen to her. Her Rage grants her heightened durability and vulnerability. Remember, she's already super strong, highly resistant to damage, damage in, in normal form, but in her Berserker Rage, she really does take it to a level, and her star bolts that she fires from her body and her eyes and her hands, oh yeah, those get way more powerful too, and her fighting skill also dramatically increases. Now, she has this Nova Blast. I mentioned this very quickly. It's an omnidirectional blast she can shoot out, and it's as hot as the sun in her normal state. When she goes into this Berserker form and she does her Nova Blast. It's actually called the Maelstrom Attack. This thing, it, it kind of duplicates the power of an exploding star. That's what kind of crazy power-up she's got. And all of her range attacks are better. Everything she can do, she's now powered up way beyond belief in her Berserker Rage, which is where she's going to go against a great opponent like Dark Spiral. Look, put all this together in the better fighting the better combat skills, the ranged attacks, and the fact she loves to fight because that's just who she is, and her Berserker Rage which magnifies everything, including her ability to absorb magic and all other types of energy, just like she did with the Kryptonians, to enhance her powers further, is why Spyro loses his fight, it's why Starfire wins, and all that together is my point number three. You hear all that, Robert Clark Chan? That's a whole lot of ifs that need to happen for her to suddenly get the edge in this battle. I got a lot to say right here. First off, I don't know why James keeps bringing up range, as if I I haven't mentioned like five different ranged attacks that Spyro can use at a distance. I don't think keeping her range is necessarily going to work for her when she is the physically stronger of the two characters. Quite honestly, I think that James is making a mistake trying to fight where I want him to be fighting. But he talked about Lobo. I found, look, I couldn't find anywhere where Starfire actually fought Lobo and beat him or in fact fought him at all. The only scan I could find was that Lobo was talking to Starfire and he ripped her top off and they were and then they just kept on talking and this was also during a time when Lobo had renounced violence because uh, he joined the church. Don't know if that factors into any of this, but that was kind of a weird thing for James to say. Could find no evidence of it. You talk about the Berserker Rage. She has to be emotionally taken to her absolute wit's end to bring her to that Berserker Rage level. Do you really think she's getting there against Spyro the Dragon? No. This is against cosmic level, you know, universe and all her friends are going to be murdered. That's when she hits Berserker Rage. Not in a, in a one-on-one unknown battle against a lovely purple dragon. Two more things to mention. She is strong. She's not even the number one strong person on her own team. That would be Cyborg. And James even said it himself in his point that Cyborg is the actual strongest person. And I could easily make the case that Spyro matches up with Cyborg extremely well. Why wouldn't he match up even better against the number two person on the Team Titans for strength? And finally, in the Flashpoint DC Comics comic book event, she was killed. This is an important thing. She was killed when Nightwing blew up a building that she happened to be in. That's all it took to kill her. A building fell on top of her that Nightwing blew up. Hey, remember in the first point when I said Spyro survived a building falling on him? I think we know which character is more durable. That's all I have to say about that. How dare you bring up Flashpoint, which led to the New 52. This is just crazy. Don't bring up Kylo Ren and do not bring up the New 52. Bad things will happen in my neighborhood. Evildoers, beware. I'm going out on patrol after this episode. With that being said, Robert, you've heard three points, (laughs) especially 12 of them. 
Robert, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself, and it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process, tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Spyro and Starfire. Whew. Well, let's see. Uh, in the beginning, Ray uh, brings up basically Zelda-like uh, attacks. He's going around breaking things, which is very video gamey. It speaks to a certain level of durability, but um, I don't know how effective it would be around here. Uh, there's some of that supercharge and vulnerability that I, I think would play in. But I mean, at the end of the day, e even when you bring in your fire shields and your daybringer flames and whatnot like that, star fire just has way too much power. And I don't, Here's the thing. I'm taking Berserker Rage off the table because I think Ray is right. <laughs> is it adorable? Look at Spyro. You find any picture of Spyro, ain't nobody going to get Berserker Ragey at that. Uh, so there's no Maelstrom attack. We don't. Uh, we obviously don't need to get hotter. You know, we don't. We don't need the the power of an exploding sun to kill Spyro. If we were going to do it, the per, the normal attacks are just fine. Uh, by the same token going grim and gritty is not the way to go. I agree with James 100% that if uh, Spyro comes at him with a bat Spyro or whatever dark uh, version that is. We call it Zack Snyder's Spyro the Dragon. Thank you. I would uh, I would pay $0 to see that. It would, not, it would not go well for him. So best take that off the table. So what we, uh, I, I guess, kind of, come down to is the versatility of Spyro. He does have again, a lot of extra moves. Most of them like Th Thor. He's, you're saying the Spyro has shock magic as powerful as Thor? Yeah, probably not. But the fact that he can, you know, shoot lightning, then shoot fire, and, you know, uh, then they like, move real fast. You know, most superheroes tend to have, like, one thing they got going for them. And so, you know, you figure out how to beat that. And Spyro's moving around, trying a bunch of different stuff. But that goes up against the warrior training of Starfire. <laughs> I guess what it comes down to is, do I think the one thing that Starfire really has no counter for is it powerful enough to take her out and that's the bubble magic can Spyro bubble her and take her off the field I don't know how far away that uh, um, bubble is going to transport her she can move faster than the speed of light so if you you know take her out uh, to you know, the, the troposphere or whatever, boom, she's going to be right back. If you put her into another dimension, she's gone. She's gone for a lot more than two minutes. I don't hear him using that against any serious boss battle contenders, though. It doesn't sound like he's taken out uh, the top dog in any of his games, so I got to think that it's it's only for small time players and as as close as this fight would be in the end I got to give it to Starfire and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The genius of Robert Clark Chan Reign Supreme is the true winner of this battle by deciding that Starfire is the true winner of this battle over a very game opponent in Spyro. Now, I need to pull back the curtain a little bit before we get to what Race Canis has to say about this verdict. Online, on Twitter and Facebook and what have you, there were so many people who said, oh, this is so one-sided towards Starfire. And I said, really, you think so? And I started doing some research, and that was absolutely not the case. Spyro is insanely powerful, is crazy good, and rises to the challenge over and over again. I love this character, but I did think the combat, the combat training was just something that was going to, and the, the speed was just a little too much for Spyro to come. But this was a very evenly matched up, really well debated by Race to Canis. Speaking of which, Race to Canis, you didn't get the win, but you were super close. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel about this verdict. I'm, of course, tremendously disappointed in this result. Um, I've been, I read a lot of this kind of a versus battle conversation involving Starfire, and the one thing that consistently 
uh, whether it be in the comics and these conversations that defeat Starfire in the hearts and minds of many is somebody that can come at her with a variety of different attacks because she is so basic with punching and shooting energy bolts. And that's it. And so if you can get around those couple of things by hitting her with a variety of things, and in some of the ones I've read of the Teen Titan verses, uh, they said Cyborg comes at her, uh, he's stronger, and has uh, too many different styles of attack, she goes down. But even Beast Boy was listed as probably beating Starfire in a match because of the wild variety of fast characters, fast animals to choose from, and the different ways that he could attack her. So in my mind, the best way to win this battle was talk about the variety, and I feel like I gave justice to that argument. I just, of course, had the wrong judge in front of me. Everyone at home knows Spyro won this fight, and it's just disappointing that our fill-in judge did obviously a poorer job than the real, not stepdad judge that we should have had sitting here today. Wow. Shots fired, Robert Clark Chan. I mean, th this is crazy. He thinks you're a second-rate judge for what we were going to have for tonight. I completely disagree. And Ray is also forgetting that you will most likely be on this show many more times. How do you react to what Ray Stacane has just said about you? Hey, <laughs> I, he's not going to like it, but I'm here... All right. Listen, Robert Clark Chan, thank you so much for stepping in. Uh, as usual, you just gave us a great performance. Fantastic judgment in today's episode. In the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. Hey, you know what? We might want to check out a great little podcast called Knowing is Half the Podcast. Uh, we're into, oh gosh, what is, we're into some new G.I. Joe now. I, I can't even keep track anymore, but uh, it's it's anime and it's 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 bonkers crazy you, sh you should check it out it's a pretty pretty good podcast there knowing about the podcast well i hear there's one person in particular on that show that just makes it every episode a delight to the senses of course i'm referring to robert clark chan uh, there's other people on the show too but it's robert clark chan is the star of that show all right i'll, I'll tell gina that you said that about her because she will mess you up <laughs> if, yep. if you don't even Bring robert it. clark chan disagrees with you james gapsey <laughs> bring it all right, Race to Canis, listen. You debated insanely well. You came up, I mean, literally inches short of a victory. I was swaying the whole time. Robert Chan was giving us a decision. Uh, really well done today. You are on fire, and uh, although you did lose the last two episodes. In the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you online. These ringer judges are starting to get under my skin. When are we going to get some objectivity back on the Who Would Win show? When are we going to get some fair-minded individuals who will listen to what I say and agree with me? Let's get back to old school. Who Would Win? Where Ray wins, and by that I mean early season five, where every judge agrees what Ray says is fully the best thing that can be said. Obviously, I won this battle. You guys at home, you saw it. You know what happened. Spyro has too many different kinds of attacks. He reduced, he atomized his enemies uh, by turning into Dark Spyro using magical attacks like Starfire has no chance in this battle. And you heard it here. Even people, I guarantee you, thinking Starfire was a slam dunk favorite to win have changed their minds after hearing my glorious speech. It's a shame we can't find judges who agree with the people and give them what they want. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. Let's do better. <laughs> I said this before and I'll say it again. Ray Sicanus is why we can't have nice things. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabsy. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and foodie debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hey, gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash who would win show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.